Hey, Berean Church, good morning. I am Pastor Justin, and I am so glad you're tuning in this morning. Some of you, I'm sure you're you're joining with us live in person. I want to personally welcome you. Welcome back. We're going to celebrate together, worship together in a minute. If you're here online, I want to personally welcome you. You decide to stay at home and check us out. You're still just chilling out there. Hey, this is a perfect time while you're online digitally to comment and let us know, like, share. Come on, share, people. Create a watch party. Who are you going to watch today? Who are you going to invite to your watch party today? Invite those people. Come on, right now, people. I'm waiting. Make sure you like our page so you can stay in the know. Turn on notifications if you've shut them off because, you know, we want you to stay in the know of what's happening right here at Berean Church. Hey, we got a question for you this morning. What's the first place you're going to go out and visit once you get out from the quarantine and hit up this morning? Comment right now. Are you going to, like, like pizzas, Giordano's Pizza? Are you going to Pizza Hut? Are you going to the movie theater? Are you going out to like, man, I feel like I haven't drove forever and I don't want to drive my old car. You're going to go buy a new car on when you break out of the quarantine? Who knows? Are you just going to go see like your neighbors down the block? We want to know about that, people. So right now in the comment section, comment below and tell us, hey, where are you going the first time when you get out? Or hey, Maybe also you're like, I don't know. I can't make up so many decisions. What's the one thing that you miss going to this whole time? You've been quarantined. Comment right now. Okay. If you are online with us or you're live in person and this is your first time here, we want you to go to our BereanHub.com and fill out the digital connect card. You can go there, click on the digital connect card, fill that out, let us know how your experience was this morning, uh, let us know a little bit more about you. Also, at our website at BereanHub.com, you can look for our prayer and praise card, and that's there for if you have a crazy cool God story that you just got to tell somebody, we want to hear it. If you have a prayer request that you want prayer uh, us to pray with you about, we want to know it, and we'll pray with you about that. So, hey, make sure that you go over there right now at BereanHub.com and fill that out. There are a lot of things that are happening here at Berean Church throughout the week. We got our young adults that are just um, on their Zoom call um, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. So if you're a young adult and you want to be a part of that, you can go to our virtual church at BereanHub.com. Click on the link there and um, get connected with our young adults. You can also go there at our virtual church and be a part of our BSC Live on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Also, Pastor Gary has a fantastic, fantastic people, which means you need to be a part of this Bible study that's happening live on Wednesday nights um, so make sure you go to BereanHub.com under Virtual Church and check that out. Also, you can connect there with our different various ways to live stream. So if you get kicked off Facebook, head over to YouTube. There's also um, our BoxCast that you can connect with to live there as well. So make sure you do that sometime today. Check out our Berean Hub. You can even check out some of our announcements that are there and a little bit more about us. We'd love to know more about you as you get to know a little bit more about us today. If you are live here in person, hey, make sure you um, air five someone across the room right now. Remember, social distancing people, so we want to respect that, but make sure you throw up a five or an air fist bump to somebody. Let them know you, that you're here this morning. Glad you're um, um, seeing them. And this is a perfect moment right now while we're waiting for you to plan on how you're going to give. And the easiest way to do that is pull out your mobile device, get on your desktop if you're at home, and go to our BereanHub.com. And under there, you can click on the Give link and fill that out. You can also get out your, your phone, 
text to 84321, the dollar amount, space, and then keyword Berean, and then that's a quick way for you to, of course, we will still take your checks in the mail. Of course, you can drive on over and drop off your giving um, in one of the Dropbox or to Linda during the week um, during our office hours. So we are wanting to make it as easy as possible for you to give. And if you're struggling to do that, you can go over to our BereanHub.com, click on the chat icon, and uh, just hit us up. If you have questions or problems um, in your, the giving process, we want to help you out with that as well. Hey, hope you guys are all doing well. These are the final moments that um, we're getting ready to wind down and wind up into worship. So this is the perfect moment for you again to share, create your watch party. Get ready because the worship team is getting ready to warm up. They're getting ready to get their praise on, their worship on. So this is a perfect time for you to stand up to your feet. Come on, people. It's time to worship live in person or live on your direct mobile device. So come on, people. This is This morning, you ready to worship Jesus? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Oh, oh, oh yeah. These first lyrics have good meaning. Come on, sing. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire. Gates, a mighty 
Come on, lift your voice and sing that one more time. Show us, show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you thankful for the love of Jesus this morning? Amen. Oh, and I searched the world, but he couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Oh, then you came along. You put us back together, oh, and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, sing it out. Oh, there's nothing. you thankful church you're the God of the mountain and you're the God of the valley and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't
Just shout his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh. Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus this morning, church? Yes. It's the name above all names. That at that name, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of all lords. Despite what is going around in our world right now, one day every knee will bow. And his glory will be made known throughout the world. Lord, we're so thankful. Come on right now, just with your hands lifted in this place. I just want you just to thank him. Lord, we're thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your healing power. We're thankful for your provision. You are the name that is above all names. Lord, we are honored this morning, not just to be in this building, but Lord, to be able to praise you with our lips, to be able to lift our hands, to be able to shout your name. Lord, what a privilege it is. What a powerful name. Lord, we worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus.
Lift your voice to him and sing. It's the name that's above our names. You are holy, Jesus. Come on right now with every hand lifted in this place. Let's just press into his presence this morning. Oh, we worship you, oh God. Oh, what a beautiful name it is. Oh, I believe there's healing in the name. Salvation in the name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. You are God of the mountain. You are God of the sea. You are God of the valley. Oh, we worship you. Sing that again. Eternal King, you reign forever. We will sing the glory of your name. Be lifted high for all the world. 
Your name is all they need. Your name is all they need. Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus? Thankful for his name. Thankful for his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As you unravel me with the melody, you surround me with your song.
things, oh God, we say and do. We glorify, oh God. Open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, but Lord, more importantly, may we open our hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Do me a favor, hold on. Just lift your hand up and high five someone in the air. Air high five. Amen. words of mine and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain poured down, the rivers flooded over, and the winds blew hard against that house. But it did not fall, because it was built on rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not obey them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain poured down, the river flooded it. The wind blew hard against that house and it fell. And what a terrible fall that was. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowd was amazed at the way he taught. He wasn't like the teachers of the law. Instead, he taught with authority. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning, and good to have those of you online who are joining us, um, connecting with us as well this morning. Good to have everyone here. Boy, this is a different day, isn't it? I should just preach, but how do you preach and not say, boy, this is a different day? How do you, how do, you do that not acknowledge it's different? And so thank you for your cooperation. For a while, the time being, we'll be operating at about 50% capacity in here. And uh, as you go out, if you would help us without doing what we normally do, and that's hugging and talking and just um, leaving, we will at the end of the service ask you to leave by section just so that we don't have, we're not bogged down in the lobby. So just hold steady. Uh, you'll still make it to lunch on time because this is first service, right? <laughs> so you've got plenty of time. Balcony, I can almost see you, but uh, good to have all of you here. Also, I'll mention this again. We'll not be receiving an offering, but giving is a part of worship. How many know that? Amen. Giving is a part of worship. Yeah, seven of you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. There is a receptacle um, offering box by the back door of the auditorium. And if you just want to drop your offering in there, in addition to giving online, those of you who do that, if you like the physical giving, that box will be right there and we'll appreciate your help. We'll be at this for a little while. And I just feel constrained to make one comment. Um, I get, I get uh, emails and instant messages and texts and videos that people ask me to review 
almost on a daily basis. So I am experiencing a level of insanity <laughs> trying to sort all of that out. Now, I don't want to debate with you um, whether the numbers are real or not real, if the government is grooming us or not grooming us, any of that. I'm just telling you that the disease is real. The disease is real. And I read the story this morning of a man who was mocking it and saying it wasn't real. He's in the hospital and his wife's on a respirator. So I'm saying to you, while it might not be as widespread and we can have that debate if we want, please be careful, okay? That's what we're trying to do, not put anyone at risk. And um, we're doing our best to try to make that happen. So thank you for your understanding and thank you for being willing to come out and join us. I'm tired of preaching just to the staff. <laughs> Um, I've gotten them saved about six weeks in a row, and so uh, it's good to have you here this morning. We're going to continue our journey today on um, Come Back Stronger. And while we're calling this our first soft launch Sunday, we're not all back yet. It's going to be a while before that happens, and we're living in a unique time when rather than cursing the darkness, we can light a candle. How many of you believe that? We can use this time for something productive for the kingdom's sake if we will take the time to do that. How do we come back stronger? And last week we talked about developing a heart of generosity in a time of cultural and emotional and intellectual poverty as well as physical poverty. What a time for the church to say whether I have a lot or a little, I'm going to be generous and to dig down and develop a heart of generosity. Whenever the church has faced adversity, the church always comes back stronger. You can look historically when tyrants have tried to stamp the church out and the church had to literally go underground, the church comes back stronger. And I believe in this time of trial nationwide and worldwide, the church can take advantage of the moment and come back stronger than we were before. And God laid some specific things on my heart in my prayer time that I want to share with you, and week two is obviously today. I want to challenge you during this time of introspection, this time of quarantine, of isolation, of social distancing, that we take time to learn to deepen our spiritual walk, deepen our faith walk. This is a wonderful time to dig down deep and strengthen our faith walk to deepen it our faith is too often dependent upon the corporate worship experience that we are up when people around us are up and we're down when people around us are down and I'm going to tell you that pastors are really really prone to this um, our spiritual well-being often rests on a couple of things one is that the size of the congregation that shows up gives this sense of affirmation. And that ain't working no more. And then the response of the congregation. The same is true for you during the worship time. If nobody responds, you won't respond either. If everybody responds, then you're likely to respond. And then we talk about what a great worship experience it was based on our corporate worship experience. Now, I believe in the value of corporate worship. Don't misunderstand me this morning. We need to gather together. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. I'm not diminishing 
the value of the corporate worship experience. However, I believe that the dynamic of the corporate worship experience is directly related to the authenticity of the private worship experience. And what a time for us to pause and say, God, deepen my walk, deepen my faith. Help me live in such a way that I'm not as dependent on the energy around me, but rather have energy within me that will inspire those around me. Let's deepen our faith walk. The Bible talks about the danger of shallow faith. In the story of the parable of the sower, it reminds us that some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And in those places where the earth was shallow, the seed immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. It immediately sprang up. But when the sun came out and scorched it, it died for the very same reason. It had no depth of earth and therefore no root base. Now, there's great value then in deepening faith. And I had you um, watch this children's video on the two builders because it makes the same mistake that I've often made. And I said in the update yesterday, I'm going to share with you something from Scripture that I've never seen before. Honestly, I've never seen this before. And it's the mistake we make in the story of the two builders. And you know the story. It's just portrayed for us. That one house built on the sand, right? And it collapsed. And one was built on the rock, and it stood. I mean, how many of you sang that as kids? The wise man built his house upon, sing with me. The wise man built his, nobody knows that song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Very good. And what happened when the rains came down and the floods came up? The house on the rock stood firm. And we put all the emphasis. How many are glad that's over with? You thought this was, boy, this is really uncomfortable. Um, you ought to stand up here and try this when we were all going. Listen, if we can't have kids men, Pastor Matthew, we need to have a little kid men experience during the worship service. So the idea being we emphasize the rock. And Matthew does that. Built on the sand, built on the rock. But Luke gives us another detail that I've never seen before that is almost always overlooked. Listen to what Luke tells us. I show you, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I'm going to read that again. Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So when we have the analogy, the illustration of a rock and the house built on it like it's on a mesa or a plateau or a mountain, this big rock, he's telling us that the only way you can build your house on the rock is to dig down deep till you get to bedrock faith, that it's not laying on the surface, that if our house is going to stand when the floods come, there's got to be a deepening of our faith, that we dig down to bedrock and build our faith on that rock. And so I want to challenge you this morning on how to deepen our faith walk apart from the affirmation of others, even though that's incredibly valuable. What do we need to do to dig down deep? And I think first, 
we have to examine the dynamics of solo faith. We need to examine the dynamics of solo faith. What does that mean? Listen to what Romans says in chapter 8, verse 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How many of you believe that? I do. Amen? Come on. If we are led by the Spirit of God, we're the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And here's the key text. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I've heard that verse misused time and time again this way. You'll talk to someone and it just seems to resonate. And you'll say, boy, my spirit bore witness with their spirit. How many have ever said that or knew someone that did? You didn't, of course, but you knew someone that did. My spirit bears witness with their spirit. That's not a biblical principle. There is a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits that you can rely on. But we have watered that down and made it mean something it doesn't mean. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. So then, that means I have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that I can't rely on you telling me that, I ha- that I'm alive in Jesus. I can't rely on the affirmation of the crowd or a counselor who says everything's okay. You need to stay in a place with him, seeking his face, till his spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And then it doesn't matter what's happening around you because you didn't hear it from a board member. You didn't hear it from a pastor. You didn't hear it from a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader. You heard it from God himself. It's what the song means when it says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. It's a personal relationship, and we need to re-emphasize that crying, Abba, Father. We do have a solo relationship with Jesus as well as a corporate relationship. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to his young son in the faith about the struggles he's going through and the suffering that he's experiencing. And if we're going to be honest, often our joy is based on our circumstances. How many know that's true? If everything's going well, I'm having a good day. If it's going bad, I'm having a bad day. If I, <laughs> if I, go, to, if I go to the store and the meat counter is empty, I'm having a bad day. I'm just telling you, I'm having a bad day. For me, I'll, do it, I'll, I'll find toilet paper somewhere else, but I need to have some meat on my, in my freezer. And so... Um, Our circumstances communicate to us, dictate to us a good day or a bad day. Paul is in prison. He's suffering, and he says this, This is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed. Are you ready for this? I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. I said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him against that day, the day of standing before him. I know whom I have believed. A lot of other things I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the government. I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what we should do, but I know whom I have believed. 
I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And Paul says, I'm in prison, but I know whom I believed. Whether I have an abundance or a little, whether it's going well or not, whether I'm free or in jail, I know whom. Someone in the house helped me this morning. That's why you're here. (laughs) I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. That's solo faith. I don't know who I can trust. I don't. You ever had someone you trusted let you down? Don't know who I can trust. I don't know what I can trust. But I know whom I have believed. (laughs) I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. What do you know for sure when everyone else turns the other way? I know whom I have believed. Read Job. Job gets all kinds of grief. And I don't have time this morning to preach the whole book of Job, but imagine if you were Job, you get the report that your family's all died. Um, they're gone. You're covered with boils, scratching them off with broken pieces of pottery, trying to get some relief. And then your loving wife comes out to encourage you and says, Honey, why don't you help us all out? Just curse God and die. How many would say that's a bad day? <laughs> it's a bad day. Curse God and die. And then his three friends come, and they're worse. He gets one challenge from his wife, but they stay for 30-some chapters. And they just keep pouring it on and pouring it on and trying to get him to repent. And as you sort through that whole mess of a story in the life of Job, there are three things that he declares that he knows in the middle of his struggle that I want to share with you this morning. Now, there's more, but let me give you just three. Listen to what Job says. He said, in the midst of all this, curse God and die. There's, why do you hang on? Why do you hold your integrity? Why are you still believing the way you believe? And he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives. Woo! I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at the last day on the earth. Do you know what he's saying? It may not be okay today. There may be poverty in our world. There may be disease as there is. There may be tragedy all around, but I'm telling you, there's a day coming when he will stand on the earth and right will be right again and wrong will be wrong again and he will rule in a millennial kingdom that will set the stage for a new heaven and new earth wherein dwells righteousness. I know that my Redeemer lives and that one day he will stand on the earth. He said, I'm looking forward to that day when he makes everything right. It was his hope. Second, he says, after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I will see God. You know what that is? That's a prophecy of bodily, physical resurrection. I'm suffering now, but church, this isn't all there is. There's a better day coming, and while I'm scraping boils with pieces of pottery, I'm telling you that I know that in my flesh I will see God. There's a glorified body on the way. And then he says, thirdly, I know, talking to God, in chapter 42, as this is all wrapping up in Job's story, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Let me talk to you for a minute. Particularly those of you that are terrified that the government's going to get us. 
I know that none of his purposes. <laughs> I'm about to dance. I, you know, I, I know that none of his purposes will be stopped. I know that he can do everything. And my trust is not in a Republican Party. Oh, dear God, help us. Or in a Democratic Party, dear Jesus, deliver us. It's not in a political system of any sort. It's that my Redeemer lives. I know in my flesh I will see God, and he can do everything, and none of his plans or purposes will be thwarted. Do you think he doesn't know what's going on? Do you think he doesn't have a plan? Do you think this has no end-time significance? You need to buckle in because this ride we're on is getting us ready for whatever he has planned next, and I'm going to keep my confidence in him and develop a solo faith so that I can say I know whom I have believed. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that in my flesh I shall see God, and I know there isn't anything that he cannot do. That's a solo anchor of faith that I don't, Forgive me for this, but I don't need you for me to believe that. And if I don't believe that, I'm not going to be of any help to you. It's the strength of solo faith. So can your faith stand alone? The great apostle Paul, what a tragedy. When everything turned on him, so did all of his friends. The people he had led to Christ, the churches he had built, the people he had poured into, where did they go? Where were they? He said, at my first defense, and there's not a lot of information about this, but the first time that he stood in Rome to have to defend himself in a court trial, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. You ever been there alone by yourself deserted friends family nobody there then he says may not be held against them I just said God burn their hides let judgment fall on their heads I mean I it, it had taken me a while to get there but he said don't hold that their charge because <laughs> the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength is anybody hearing me this morning I'm talking about the dynamics of solo faith. Paul said, they're all gone. Everyone that I'd poured into, everyone I'd vested in, when I needed them, not one of them was there. What does that tell me? That tells me when you're staying at home and no one's helping you, the Lord will stand by your side. Are you hearing me this morning? The Lord will stand by your side. You have to examine the dynamics of solo faith, which is the bedrock of who we are. Second, I want to challenge you this morning to explore the discipline of solitude. To explore the discipline of solitude. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I believe in the power of praise and worship. I believe in the power of the corporate gathering. I don't want that to be lost in this message. I believe that phenomenal things happen when we gather together and seek his face. And the glory cloud of God moves into a room. And hopefully you experienced that this morning 
in corporate worship. But there is a place where you are supposed to go into your closet alone and shut the door. If we had more door-shutting praise, we'd have more heaven-opening praise. Are you hearing me this morning? If we had more door-shutting prayer, we'll have more heaven-opening praise. As we spend time with it, go in the closet and shut the door. Don't take anybody with you. It's just you and Jesus. There's a presence of God when there's unity in worship, a little bit of heaven on earth, but there are times of refreshing that will come from the presence of the Lord when you're praying alone. It's no one but you and Jesus. Now, I know that when we're eating out and places are just starting to open up, and whether you should do that or not is up to you, but let's, can we remember before Corona? At your house, you've got 100 people there. You're at a restaurant. There's 20 people around a table. I want you to imagine a large group, okay? Picture yourself there with a large group around a table eating food. Conversation, unless someone is ruining it. <laughs> Conversation is usually vibrant, energetic. Everybody's talking. And you know why? Because you don't have to carry it. In fact, it annoys us if one person has to talk all the time. Because we all want to. But you can, you can tap out. It's kind of like tag team. It's like, I don't have anything to say. I'll just tap out and rest a minute. And then Pastor Nathan will have something to say. And then he'll tap out. And Pastor Matthew always has something to say. And then he'll tap out. And someone else will have something to say. Because you don't have to carry it. It just keeps moving. Most of us can exist in that context. But boy, it's a different story. When you're in a booth with your spouse and there ain't nobody else there. How many know that's a whole different level of conversation? <laughs> oh, if this does never happen, but imagine that if imaginary Carol and I had had some words. We can go to a restaurant with a group and fake it. Come on, don't look at me like that. I've watched you in the lobby. But you put us in a booth at a restaurant, there's no faking it there. Now it's really, really real. I'm saying to you, anybody can worship in a crowd. But faith is authentic when you go in and shut the door. And it's you, it's you and Jesus, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, having dialogue. I'm talking to you about the discipline of solitude, that you shut out the noise, that you get quiet and you just take time to talk to him and let him talk to you and communicate to your heart. In this busy world of activity and noise and travel and, and, and busyness, we've lost that sense of that quiet time with God. The New Testament had an advantage. They didn't have cars. They had to walk together wherever they went. They had to spend time in that quiet conversation. The discipline of solitude. Meditate on the Lord and his word. Can you do that? I mean, I want to challenge you this week. Take a verse of scripture, I don't care, anywhere. One that hopefully you can take some time with. And let's just take randomly Luke chapter 8 verse 
16, no man lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar, puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that they uh, who come in can see the light. Can you take 30 minutes and just sit with that verse? <laughs> Not without going to McDonald's in your mind. How many hearing what I'm saying? We're all a bit spiritually ADD, taking time to just shut everything. God, what do you have to say to me from this verse? If you want a healthy discipline spiritually, take time to read chapters, but take time to soak in a verse. Just sit there in the solitude of a one-on-one -on -one relationship and develop that discipline. Let that word speak to your heart. Separate yourself from the business, busyness of life and quiet yourself before God. Was reading an article that was titled Understanding Solitude, and it's a little longer piece, but I, I can't do it any better than this. So is it all right if I read to you? Thank you, seeing no objection. Listen to what this author says about the, the discipline of solitude. In our day, God is using the spiritual discipline of solitude as the great liberator. Solitude liberates us from all the inane chatter that is so characteristic of modern life. It liberates us from the ever-present demands that are put upon us, demands that in the moment feel so urgent and pressing, that in reality have no lasting significance. In solitude, the useless trivialities of life begin to drop away. There is an intimate connection between solitude and silence. Silence, you see, creates in us an open, empty space where we're enabled to become attentive to God. And oh, how we need such open spaces in our modern techno world and its relentless barrage of sound and fury signifying nothing. Indeed, many people today have become little more than walking towers of Babel. There was a time not very long ago when solitude and silence were available to people by the normal conditions of everyday life. Not any longer. In our day, we have to choose solitude and silence and plan our lives accordingly. See how uncomfortable silence makes us? Do you forget what he's saying? Did he just have a stroke? What just happened here? He's not talking. We have to push the noise away. The only way to survive right now, I'm telling you from the leadership team, our staff, is we all have to push the noise away because it is so loud and demanding right now. Find a place to push the noise away. Explore the discipline of solitude. And then last, experience the development of spiritual exercise. Experience the development that comes with spiritual exercise. Here's what I want you to think about. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourselves toward godliness. Now, I'm going to pause there. I was trying not to say this, but it just won't go away. Do you know what we call um, vain, profane, and old wives' fables right now? We call it the news. We call it Facebook. We call it the Internet. All you've got to do is have an internet connection, and all of a sudden, you're an, you're an authority. I watched a video with a lady who's wearing a nurse's outfit and wearing a badge that says that she's a BSN, she's a nurse, 
and she's talking about what we ought to do, and then they close up on that and do research, and it was written in, in a, a marker, BSN. She wasn't a nurse at all, but she had the limelight and a connection and a camera. Do you want to become more godly? Reject profane and old wives' fables. Do the work. Do the background. Exercise to godliness because God, physical exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promised the life that now is that which is to come. All right, exercise, truly understanding exercise is a solo sport. Now, you can do it with someone, but it's a solo sport. So if I'm doing push-ups, if I'm... <laughs> If I'm going to get the benefit of push-ups, I have to do them. If I'm playing basketball, I can pass the ball off to a teammate who can make the shot and we win as a team. But I don't get any benefit from the exercise that you do. Hear what I'm saying? Get nothing from what you do. I can be there with... And a guy that I used to work out with and all that's changed now, but, oh, man, watch him push those weights and do all of that. And I, I can't just spend time with the weights and get stronger. I have to actually use them. Exercise is a solo sport. And so hanging around with other people who can encourage you and you can exercise together, but for you to get the benefit, you have to do the work. And, uh, and here's what I know about people that exercise consistently that want to be in good shape. Guys particularly, they don't just go exercise. One day is arm day. And then there's leg day. And then there's core day. And then there's cardio day. Because exercise targets, watch this, exercise that is effective targets the area that you want to improve. You focus on what you want to accomplish. So he tells us to exercise toward godliness, to train yourself in godliness. Training involves repetition. It's a repeat of godly behaviors. You increase reps, you increase weights, you increase resistance, you increase, you increase distance, you increase speed, all of that um, you can do to, to exercise yourself naturally, but spiritually you can extend yourself as well. It's not enough to cheer from the stands. You have to get involved in the practice. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it for a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So I'm going to suggest a couple of things here, bringing this all together this morning on solo faith, deepening your walk. I would challenge you from this verse that I just read that our first goal is to reject profane and old wives' fables. Their people are losing ground spiritually because they're believing everything they're reading. 
Learn to have a little discernment. Learn to do the work. Reject the profane and old wives. How do you do that? Exercise in truth. Exercise in truth. And the more time you spend with truth, the more you'll recognize the phony. Then we need to build ourselves up and exercise in truth. So listen to this from Jude chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some have compassion, making a difference, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So I'm going to tell you how to exercise the godliness from Jude. Because we can talk about it, but until we do it, nothing's going to happen. I'm talking about deepening your faith walk. How are you going to deepen it? Everything else is introduction again. This is conclusion. This is what I want you to grab hold of. Pick one of these. Number one, you have to build yourself up. No one's going to do that for you. You have to make a determination to get stronger. You have to make a determination to go deeper. You have to decide that you're not satisfied where you are. Nothing changes until there's an element of dissatisfaction. And what we need to have today is a holy dissatisfaction with what's happening in our own lives. Number two, pray in the Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, that gift is for you. How do you get that? You ask Jesus to fill you, and then you let him pray through you in another language. Scripture is really clear that you don't have to tarry the rest of your life for that. You just begin to pray in the Spirit. And when there is intensity in worship, when there's intensity in intercession, when you're praying Spirit-anointed prayers, there'll be a moment for you that there'll be another language. They'll be right there. Just give voice to that. Because what will strengthen you more than about any other thing that I can think of after spending time in the Word is praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Number three, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Isn't it easy to get bitter and angry at people? People are rude. People can be mean. How many of you ever want to just get even? You ever wanted to just help them understand the error of their ways in the name of all that is fleshly? (laughs) Keep yourself there. Check yourself. What does that mean? When (laughs) When you see that person and you prejudge them as being something they may or may not be, get the love of God in your heart. Work on keeping yourself in the love of God. Well, I get annoyed. I get irritated. All right. That's where you need to exercise. Go somewhere where you know you're going to be annoyed and try to keep yourself in the love of God. (laughs) And if you need a little help, we'll put a team together. Number four, look for the mercy of God. (laughs) Oh, what a word for now. We're looking for tragedy. We're looking for judgment. We're looking for the end of the world. Look for the mercy of God. There are good things all around us that demonstrate the mercy of God. Cultivate vision that looks for the mercy of God. Number five, have compassion on some. It might be they're having a worse day than you. Maybe you could just be compassionate to somebody. 
Maybe you could get a, maybe you could get outside of yourself and realize everything. You ready for this? This is a great word right now. This is a great word. In, in fact, you might want to write this down. I'll wait a minute for you to get a pen. You ready? I just want I don't want you to miss this. Everything isn't about you. Isn't that deep? That'll deepen your faith. Everything's not about you. Have compassion on some. Snatch the lost from the fire. Do you have a burden for people that are lost and dying and going to hell? God, rekindle that flame of evangelism and give me a passion to pull them out of the fire. And number seven, hate even the def- every defilement of the flesh. What does that mean? That means to hate telling lies, to hate gossiping, to to hate everything that is anti-Christ and try to put yourself in a place where you have to exercise that more. So when that time comes and you're about to spew off something that's not godly, refuse to do that. Look for areas of godliness and live in a godly fashion and put that to work. Let me just read that again. You have to build yourself up. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God. Look for the mercy of the Lord. Have compassion on some. Snatch the lost from the fire and hate the defilement of the flesh. Let's use this time. Pastor Nathan, if you come. Let's use this time to dig down deep. Let's use this time to solidify our solo faith. Understand the power. So my question for you, as we take just a moment to worship before we leave, is where do you need to start digging? This is just a waste of time if you don't pick a place to start digging. Where do you need to put the shovel in? Where do you need to dig a little deeper? Because the power of corporate worship will be directly dependent upon the authenticity of solo faith. Let's stand together and take a moment. Just let him communicate to your heart and ask him, will you, Jesus, where do I need to dig down a little deeper? Where do I need to dig a little deeper? Eternal 
close our eyes, bow our head just for a moment. I just want us to have a moment that we kind of settle something with God today and you at home as well watching online. Just by an uplifted hand would say, Pastor, I know there's I know an area that I need to start to dig and I'm going to focus this week on digging my faith deeper. He spoke to you about an area. Would you just lift your hand and signify that to him? Thank you. Hands going around going up all around the room and online as well, I'm sure. Let's use this time, this unique time, to push the noise aside and deepen our faith. Jesus, we love you. I thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room and online who have joined with our church family. God, I ask your blessing on everyone that's assembled here digitally or live that we will dig deeper, that we'll use this time to dig deeper in our faith. And we'll give you thanks for your love, your grace, your empowerment, your direction, so that we can make a difference for the King in the world around us, in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Could you be seated just for a moment? Um, Wonderful to have you all here today. You did a great job distancing yourself. Thank you for helping us with that. Give yourselves a big hand. All right. So as we go, there are a couple things I asked just so we're trying to implement new plans. Please only go out the exit door, the door on the right. If you have an offering, you can drop it in there or you can give online. 
And please don't linger in the lobby area and visit. I know that's so contrary. That day will come too, but this is the first stage. If you're glad you got to see somebody's face, raise your hand. You know, it was, it was wonderful. So help us with that. And if you'll just kind of police yourself, watch each section. So this big section right over here, if you two want to kind of lead the way, head out. As soon as that section empties, the next section, please go out the door you came in. And uh, thank you for being here. God bless you. We love you all. Looking forward to great days ahead.